0: Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight I'm joined by two of our regular panel, freelance writer Julian Murdoch and our very own Troy Goodfellow. Hello. Hello, everyone. We also welcome, well, perhaps welcome is the wrong word, we allow out of his production cave our pet wizard, Michael Hermes.
1: (laughs) Thanks for uh, letting me out of the basement and uh, having me on the
0: show so the the reason uh, michael is here uh at last is because he and everyone else has uh, been playing a game and tweeting about it and dying a lot the game of course is ftl and uh, michael since you i think threatened to quit unless we did a show on this uh on this game it sounds right why don't you start us out what's ftl and why does it have such a hold on you
1: Uh, so FTL is a game that recently came out. It had a massively successful Kickstarter, uh, and it kind of melds together a lot of different aspects of a lot of genres and it has people wondering which one it really is. Uh, but the thrust of it is that you're piloting a spaceship, uh, from one side of the galaxy to another and managing your crew, uh, and resources along the way, uh, and generally trying to not die. And and you mentioned dying is doing something, is something that people do a lot uh, because it it uh, features permadeath as one of the main game mechanics, which means once you die, it's over. Uh, and it seems to have grabbed everyone's collective attention. And I can't be on Steam without the little window popping up all the time that says so and so is playing FDL, and it's just everyone's just just seems to be losing their minds over this game. <laughs>
2: Well, it's nearly it's nearly a roguelike. I mean, it's not just that you die all the time. I would say that the the expected outcome is death. Yeah. Uh it's certainly possible to finish. I actually have never experienced this end game uh because I suck at games. Uh despite the I don't know 70 games I've played, 80 games I've played at this point. Uh, And I can play for quite some time, and I can sort of get to the last sector, you know, big battle thing, and then just die. Because one thing about this game is this is a game that when things start going wrong, they really just cascade. (laughs) So you can be as beefy as you think you could possibly be, and it's a little bit like playing a, you know, a a, a dice-based game where you just have five or six bad rolls, and there's just no
3: coming back. Yeah, and things can go, I mean... Uh, I mean, it is a roguelike, I mean, because I've, I blogged about it, and it clearly is inspired a lot by, by roguelikes, and by a bunch of other games. I mean, Michael's right, this game has a bunch of really, really neat mechanics, but it's not just that... I mean, things can go wrong really, really quickly in this game, um, just like in a roguelike, where you're doing really awesome and well, and then you get poisoned in a roguelike, and you have nothing to stop the poison, and you die. And here it's you know, it's fires, or oxygen starvation, or... All of a sudden, you hit a ship that's way too powerful for the sector that it's in, and it's got three levels of shields, and you can't do a damn thing but sit there.
2: Or freaking invaders! God, oh God. that's the worst. I, I mean, I I th- I think that the coolest thing about this game. We should probably describe the game a little bit, right? I mean, right. it is, uh, you know. It's almost a board game in the sense that your actual view of the world at any given point in time is just the deck plan of your ship. And all you can really do is allocate energy to different systems and you can move your little crewmen around to either improve systems or fix systems, open doors to put out fires, fight off intruders. So you're moving little pieces around on your ship diagram and occasionally targeting some ship that you might be trying to shoot. That's the whole game. There's not... Uh, There's not a lot to this game. It's not a visual tour de force. You can imagine this game being prototyped on a piece of grid paper with moving little dots around. And, and the presentation isn't much more advanced than that. What's so ingenious about it is the, the number of mechanics that are interacting at any given point in time and all those decisions you have to make because each system has something that it does from a game mechanic standpoint, right? Shields, if you put a guy on the shields, they're, they recharge faster. If you put a guy on the weapons, they recharge faster. If you put a guy on engines, you dodge more, right? And so all of these trade-offs you're constantly making about what to do with your crew members and where to allocate the ship's energy and the heat of combat just make it
1: stressful but in the best kind of way
3: and how to spend your money
1: yeah getting getting friendly with the the pause button was the biggest thing for me because it's uh it's a real-time game but you can pause it as much as you want whenever you want and give orders and and though i've always liked turn-based games i think that the, the paradox pause uh is probably
0: the way to go yeah definitely the the first time i played it actually over at julian's house um I was I was in a rush, so I was like, Tutorial, hell with that and just <laughs> dived in. Which was not a good move and his son was watching watching over my shoulder the whole time. And I was actually doing, you know, pretty well. I was doing decently. But I was just starting to get like completely overwhelmed by like fires breaking out on the ship and then trying to like deal with those and manage combat all at once. And finally, after watching me die for like, I don't know, the fortieth time that night, uh, he, he finally just like, you know, taps me on the shoulder and really shyly is like, You know you can pause right (laughs) and the game (laughs) got so much better yeah (laughs) out of the mouths of babes but no, I think it's a really good point that it basically is a board game. You can easily imagine, like, playing it, you know, like, you know, the the enemy ship card comes up and you just sort of roll roll hit locations against it. Uh, but, of course, as a board game, I think, it'd, you know, without some real modifications, it would be really terrible. What makes this work is, you know, it, it can just crank through these situations so quickly for you uh, so that, you know, you're facing these simple little problems and it kind of, you know, it's constantly sort of changing things up on you, you know, like one encounter doesn't last long, and then you're on to the next thing, and it could be a completely new sort of curveball you've got to hit.
2: And it, and it shares sort of a similar kind of story vein, although probably not quite as well written um, as, uh, crap, what was the game we were just talking about a couple of weeks ago um, from the guys who did Gravity Bone?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, 30 Flights of Loving.
2: No, not not that
0: game. Oh, the, the um, spaceship oh. game.
2: The one with the flotilla. Thank flotilla. you, flotilla. It sounds right? almost like FTL. It does sound almost like FTL, but it has a similar mission structure in that it's like deal with the, deal with the combat. And then go to the next system. And the next system could either be combat or could be something else. It lacks Flotilla's sense of humor, right? which, which it's the best part about Flotilla, is that you end up with a sort of strange, almost hitchhiker's guide-like story of your captain on his way to his death. Um, here, it, the, there's not quite as much variety in the missions. Most of the encounters end up just being, you show up in the sector and there's a pirate. Do you want to kill it or do you not want to kill it? Um, I, you know, I would love for them to flesh that out more because I think actually – it's kind of entertaining, um, but even even with the limited level of, of variety that there is, um, so I would love it if there was more variety and, and more sort of thread and story and little vignettes in that. And that's pretty much the only criticism I can make of the game, though, because the actual mechanics, I just think, are so perfectly balanced and fine-tuned.
3: Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a few things that I would... I mean, the mechanics are great in sound. I, I, I mean, I, I want to talk too much of the negative stuff because it really is a great game that has just been holding my attention and bringing me back, and I have to remind myself over lunch, you have to stop playing this because you have work to do the rest of the day. You can only play a few sessions of this over lunch. Um, but, I mean, I, I, there's small small interface issues. Um, I think that the unlocking of ship's system is a little bit bizarre. I mean, I think it... I think then I shouldn't have to find all these secret missions. Hope I pick the right answer to unlock a special ship. Maybe I should buy it somehow. Yeah, I I find that really annoying because I'm still stuck in the first two ships, Um, and it just encourage people to look them up. On I'll eventually find it cheat code and find out what I'm supposed to do to get the special ships or whatever. Um, I think that it could have, it could be a lot better with sound and visual cues. Like, when my crew is dying, like how many hit points is that really when it's a tiny, tiny little bar? And I don't I don't play with the pause button. I, I, I'm a hardcore Picard. I do it all in real time. Um, <laughs> wow. So, but, but it would be nice to have, you know, better signals sometimes. Um, I could use a little poke every now and then when are you sure you want to leave the system with your oxygen turned off? Because you turned it off for that battle. So you get that extra little bit of juice to your missiles.
0: I lost half my crew because uh, during one battle, I'd had to shut down the medical bay to power a new weapon. Didn't reactivate it. Next, next, next system, uh, borders came in. Into the me- medical bay. And I was like, ha, they're going to die because I'm going to fight them in the medical bay. And it's going to heal my troops faster than they can do damage. And I couldn't understand why my crew was just getting slaughtered by the borders. And then, only after pretty much everyone but like my gunner was dead, I look. and I'm like, "Oh, why is that gray?" And it was it was it was powered down. And that would have been that would have been nice to know that like that right there was like that that was an entire run that was pretty much over because I've been forgetful. But you know, I
3: mean, that's, but that's, 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 that's something sort of that they, they could also represent on the like on on the deck ship. They give like a, something on the deck grid to say this this system with no power. Like, give it another color. Give it like yellow or something. Like, this is a system that has no power. Um, and then you would know that. And then you would, you would notice it. I, mean, it's a, it. I have all kinds of stars with stupid deaths for my crew, like p- poor old R- R- Bruce Garrick, who funded the Kickstarter. So his name is in FTLs. So you play FTL, you'll see Bruce Garrick, and you'll kill him as many ways as I have. Um, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, so if there are small interface things in it. But as far as a game and its mechanics, it is, I mean, Julian's right. It's hard to think of how they would improve it. Or make it, you know, tighter. Except for you're right, the the story stuff is kind of lame.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the few things I've heard that I'm I'm not so bad on. Or I think it's not too bad. Is the um, kind of slot machine mechanic where you kind of get dealt a losing hand right from the get go. And and I know there's a lot of people who aren't too comfortable with firing up the game and just hitting hitting that wall and like the first encounter. Be like, nope, you're done. That's it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it does. It can feel a little cheap, you know, if you. It's particularly more like in the middle game, like you're, you know, a couple of systems in, or whatever. It's not called, they're not systems, whatever. They're a couple sectors, sectors in. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've done, you feel like you've made good decisions and you've got good upgrades. And then you just hit an encounter that there's just no chance you're going to jump away from before you're dead. And, and it's just sort of all moot, you know, you get. 12 boarding insects right off the bat, and they just kill all your crew. And you're like, uh, you know, okay, well, if I had known that was coming, I could have made a set of upgrades to defend against that. But you never have enough money. And that's part of what makes the game so interesting is that you never have enough money, at least I never have enough money to upgrade everything, right? There's no chance that you ever really get the, the monster ship that's got every system maxed out. Um, and,
1: and so consequently, you're always vulnerable somewhere. That's the fun part, I think. I, the, the, the fact that it makes you make those choices is, I'll yeah, sit, no, I'll sit I, there and look agree. at it and think, man, well, I could do this, but I, I really wanted to get more shields and, uh, and right. that's kind of the- And, this and decisions cr- about like what kind of crew to buy, yeah. whether you want crew that are like 200% health and
2: super engineers or not, You know, those kinds of choices are great, but they, they do lead to those sort of cheap shot endings. I mean, I was playing right before the show just to sort of get back in the mood and- about half an hour ago, I, I was having a pretty good game. I was, I don't know, a couple thousand points in score or something like that, which is a pretty good game for me. Um, and it just—it was one of those things where I felt like I had really rocked it, and then just the next encounter, there was just zero chance.
0: I, I haven't played as as much as you guys have. I, I played at some on normal and uh, some uneasy, and I haven't had really. Had anything that felt too egregiously, like, cheap shotish, ish uh, you know, ha- happened to me yet, uh, I'm, I might have just been lucky. Uh, wh- what I find is, is really interesting, though, about, um, you know, sort of trying to develop your ship and sort of preparing for that uh, rainy day where you're up against some sort of monster ship is, um, you know... It serves you well to linger in a sector as long as possible. You want you want you don't want to take the fastest route out of the sector. You want to be hitting a lot of systems and be racking up the uh, racking up the the salvage that you can convert into various upgrades. You know you want to take your time and get out of there just as the pirate fleet closes over the sector. That's when you want to make your getaway. Uh, but. I love how that ties in with the limited number of jumps you have, the limited number of fuel, and the fact that you don't necessarily know uh, what the map of the sector really looks like. You know where things are in position relative to each other, but you don't know if there's going to be a connecting jump between systems. And so, you, again, you end up in this like, you know, you you could you could make it to the you know exit of the sector in you know like four or five jumps. You know, direct route would be really easy, or you could take this looping route that would like, you know, it looks really promising. But if you come to that last stage there and it turns out there isn't a connecting jump, you're just done. Uh and I and I sort of enjoy the 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 sort of risk reward of just, you know, plotting my path across a sector and deciding when I'm going to just try to get the hell out of there and what I'm going to try to exploring.
3: Yeah, running out of fuel is not fun.
0: No, it,
1: it's terrible and the fact that you don't know where the stores are necessarily is just you kind of got to stock up for a rainy day and, and balance your hull strength against whether you think you can find some place to fix it or not, and then whether you're going to make the jump out, you know, just bail on a battle because you think you're going to take too much damage. It's, it, there's so many interesting choices like those that I love
0: that game. One other thing I like, too, is that with a game like this, I, I kind of feel there's a risk of, okay, this is, this is a bit about me, I tend to ruin games by discovering, like, what is, <laughs> what is an effective way to play? What is an effective tactic? And if it works, I'm just going to stick to it over and over again. This is what happened to me in uh, Far Cry 2, uh, a game where, you know, you can commit complete missions any way you want, but I, you know, picked a weapons loadout that always worked a set of tactics that always worked, and uh, I got pretty bored with the game because I could do the same thing over and over again, and it always worked. And to an extent, maybe that's on the design, maybe that's on me, but that's kind of how I play games. And what I enjoy you about it... break if- them.
2: You try to break them.
0: Yeah, I try, I try to find, yeah, the most efficient way to play. And if something doesn't fit in with that, then to hell with it. I'm not going to play with it. I don't care. Like, uh, you know, in Bioshock, I don't care if you can shoot bees out of your arms. You know what's better than bees? A Tommy gun. Tommy gun <laughs> beats bees. Um, but in this game, I, I like that... Um, you know, I like that. Just when you're getting a rhythm, just when you're figuring out, like, okay, this is how this is how I'm going to use my crew. This is the this is the way I'm approaching each encounter. This is how I'm going to get through this game. And this is, you know, now we're cooking with gas. Now, now, now I've won like three or four battles in a row. Just when you're starting to think that way, something shows up that's going to completely like whatever plan you had it's going to completely demolish that. Be it a fire on the ship, be it a border, be it a weapon loadout you're not prepared for. Uh, or a you know battle in the shadow of a solar flare. Something's going to happen that's going to force you to completely improvise on the fly and get out of your comfort zone.
3: God, I hate solar flares. <laughs> but they're that's so the good. What's the worst thi- that's the worst things?
1: So I I have not I've not beaten this. And I, Julian, you said you did not, Robert Troy. Have you beaten the game yet? No,
2: no, I no. I
3: haven't even come close. I'm, I'm playing. Yeah, on, I'm, I've
2: been playing mostly on easy. I'm
3: I'm on easy now too because it's just cause I want to see more stuff and getting killed and the it's
2: crippl- It's cripplingly hard on normal, right? And and certainly if you're just learning the game. Normal is a very hard way to learn because you die like on your sixth encounter, you know, the first couple times out, right? On easy, at least you have a chance to get through a couple sectors before you die because you made some stupid mistake. But learning how to do things like manage your ship in combat, even with a pause button, understanding like, well, how important is it that I have a fire in my engine room? Is it more important that I keep, you know, a guy focused on my weapons crew? Uh, You know, those are... You, you, there's no manual that tells you what's important. You have to learn those things by, uh, you know, sad, sad, uh, you know, experience.
3: And knowing when to run. I mean, that's the thing that I've had to learn is, you know, some fights just aren't worth sticking around in because you can't keep up with, you can't afford to fix the damage. You still have a million more nodes to jump through in a sector. And yeah, maybe I'll be able to take this guy down eventually. But it's going to come at a cost that I might not be able to pay. So it's, you know, it's a bit of cost-benefit analysis. I mean, I may have already wasted three missiles. I might not be able to get them back, but the whole damage, I mean, I don't know what, the, like Michael said, if you don't know what the store is, and you don't have a lot of money, um, you know, some battles just aren't worth fighting. So sometimes I have to run away, um, which isn't something I'm used to doing in space combat games. I'm used to, you know, fighting it out and seeing what happens. But, you know, sometimes you just got to bolt that's something
0: I, I really wanted to bring up, and that's maybe one of my favorite things about FTL, is this is a game that gets why we play space games. And this is a year where we've had some ups and downs in games dealing with space. Um, you know, Legend, Legends of Pegasus, uh, you know, Sword of the Stars 2, these were these were not high watermarks, but whenever there's a, whenever there's a space game coming... Uh everyone it always seems like everyone's getting a little excited like oh man you know I I love space love games about space but a lot of times they're disappointing but also I kind of feel like they always tend to be like space forex space strategy games and FTL really is is getting at I I think the sort of stories that got us all so hooked on uh, space as a sci-fi setting in the first place. It's not about building an empire or anything like that. It's about just, like, crewing a ship and, and going exploring, not knowing what's going to be around the corner. This isn't You're not building anything to last here. You're just, you know, li- like Picard, uh, like Kirk, you're just sort of going from place to place, seeing what's there, and doing your best to get out alive. I guess maybe the best analog actually would be Voyager, um, which is too bad, but there you go. This is this is this is Star Trek Voyager the video game, so so much better.
3: God, I hate this game now. Oh
0: <laughs> well, go install
2: that now. I I like to think of it as being a little bit more Firefly the video game that
0: lets me sleep better at night. It, it, <laughs> but no, but you already ruled that out when you when you admitted it didn't have enough story and and like flavor and uh, so no can't be Firefly. No, yeah, but
2: I fill that in. I fill that in. I play. You know, I have the little bluegrass going on in you the background. There your sixth I while have you're playing FTL? Yeah, because I have I have Mal making comments in my head, you know. <laughs> I aim to misbehave, you know.
3: God.
0: <laughs> oh man, you could make such insane bank if you made like I don't know like the, the shittiest sort of like American laser games type knockoff of FTL, where you just like get like grainy seat like grainy video of the cast of Firefly doing like little inter- like interstitial takes while you play FTL. Oh my God, you'd make a killing. It'd be awful, but it'd be amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, i was gonna say i read that i read that somebody had uh, figured out how to unpack some of the the data files that came along with the game so i can only imagine that uh, a firefly mod is is minutes away if not already already uh, uh done i'll be perfect yeah i mean it is a game that to me uh
2: it's certainly it's complete in and of itself. There's nothing about it that feels like a beta. right it the the art style is minimalistic and sort of old school as it is. It's just perfect for what's going on on the screen. And I have no I don't have any desire to see this upgraded visually and have, God forbid animated combat effects or whatever. I mean, that would just destroy it. On the other hand, I do feel like it's a game that's ripe for expansion or at least further development because I could see, You know, adding more uh, trader oriented, T R A D, not T R A I T, uh, oriented stuff to it um, and add more. Uh, you know actual salvaging type stuff to it i mean i can see that each one of the systems that's sort of already in here in the mission structure could be expanded to be more interesting i mean they have some of that in there right you can get a a salvage arm augmentation for your ship that will give you certain options when you get to certain systems to instead of engaging say with the bad guy you can instead run off over into the corner and salvage a bunch of scrap from a ship but it really just comes down to a few binary tree choices you won't, you don't get if you don't have that augmentation to your ship installed. I could see a whole system built around that, right? I could see a whole system built around a lot of the pieces of this. So my fondest hope for this game is that they're successful enough that they can say, hey, you know what? We're gonna release a you know a major upgrade to it or a major patch, and i'll I'll pay for it. You know charge me five bucks for a whole new expansion system, right? I mean, I kind of want this to go the way of a sense of a solar Empire
1: where it has a life of its own for some period of time and they're not done. Is everyone I, you guys are mostly iOS users for your phones and things? yep, i I, I only ask because there's an Android game. Uh, i I do have an Android handset. And uh, there's an Android game called Star Traders RPG, and it plays a lot like FTL. And I think it's a good indication of what would be really cool in this game. And it's the same kind of conceit. You're a captain and you're it's more free form where you're just kind of moving around the galaxy, but you have a ship and you manage it and you can uh, uh, trade or or join factions and do things that are, are pretty similar. Uh, it, but it also has kind of. The, the permadeath thing where when you're done, you're done. And it's very frustrating in that sense. But uh, if anyone wants something similar, it's a well-supported game uh, and the developers are, are active and, and just great guys overall. So I thought I'd plug that.
0: Yeah. And Android FTL. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sold.
1: Yeah. Star Traders RPG. There, there is a free version if you want to try it, but the, the, the $2 or whatever they're asking for the, the elite version is well worth it. So. I would I would check it out if you have if you have access to that platform.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't cool. truck with any of that iOS nonsense.
2: Well, to, but but this is a game that just cries out for a tablet treatment, though. Yes, I can see so, that. I think. I mean, this game it basically plays like a tablet game on your PC already. Would want to play with a controller, but a touch screen any day.
0: Going back to the the difficulty issue a little bit, and also uh, kind of what you brought up, Troy, about not really digging the unlock thing. I I kind of feel I've gotten the sense since, since I caved and went down to easy difficulty level, I'm starting to get the sense that there is a way I'm supposed to be playing this game. And that really I should have started on easy in the first place, because it kind of seems to me like easy is making it, um, uneasy. I'm able to explore more, a lot more and do a lot more side quests and take bigger risks. And on the way uh, along the way of doing that, I am getting more and more stuff that's going to let me have an easier time after my ship inevitably dies. My next playthrough, it'll be a different ship, and I'll have more stuff. Uh, and so, and so I kind of feel almost like, you know, a- after getting my ass kicked repeatedly by normal, going down, going down to easy, it was kind of like, oh no, this is what you're supposed to be doing all along. That you, you kind of graduate up to normal. Uh, but I kind of, I, I kind of like the. I don't know. I, I like the unlocking system because it it is the one thing that does sort of tie your different playthroughs together. You didn't just go out there and get like massacred somewhere. You got something along the way.
3: Yeah, I just. Yep. I mean, I. I don't know the hidden. It was all if it was all tied to achievements. That'd be one thing, but just how hidden so many of them are. Um, like it, it's there's a you got to do something for, for the for, 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 for the Angie. Can you figure what you got to do? No. But I could probably go on the internet and find out. I'd be nice if I was had, had a clue. But I guess the secrecy of the unlocking is kind of annoying. Um, and that, you know, something you, you can just stumble upon. Like I just stumbled in un- unlocking the first Engie ship, which is a nice, neat little ship. Um, but, you know, to unlock different layouts, I mean, it says very clear, you know, here are three achievements two of the achievements and you get a new layout for the ship. So I have both the Engie layouts. You know, One of them has more venting doors, uh, more airlocks, so catch catches fire. The fire isn't as big a threat, because the first Engie layout's got like one little airlock and it takes forever uh, to put it fire uh, by starving it of oxygen. But it only comes with only one crew, so you have a little trade-off there. You have a single crewman, and but a much more secure-looking ship. Um, so I thought that's neat, but I could figure that out by, because the achievements were clear. Com- complete two of, two of these three, and you can do it. So I could actually set out and plan to do them. I, it's this, uh, but of the unlockable ships, the only one that has a clear objective uh, is the big Federation ship. You win it, and you get this Federation flagship type thing once you've beaten the game. Um, so I'm assuming it's some great super ship that you then take into normal difficulty. I, mean, I think that's probably. I think you're right, Rob. That's kind of how they're planning people to do it. So why it starts people on normal by default? Uh, it's kind of annoying because I'm now I'm uneasy and I am seeing more and enjoying it more.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of feel like with a game like this. I, I don't know in, the, in this genre of you know the, the roguelike type thing, normal has a completely different meaning. I, I think that it, it has come to mean for every other part of uh, every other aspect of gaming. And so I come to this and I'm like, every other game I play, easy is is really ridiculously easy, boringly easy, uh, pointless. And here it's you have a fighting chance to get to the end, maybe if you're, if you're lucky. And if you're on normal, it's just going to you know it's basically waiting around the corner with a baseball bat. Uh, so I, I kind of feel I guess to the to the point about like hidden things, Troy. I, I, I'm playing it on uh, good old games, so I, I don't have like the the Steam achievement list right there. But I, I'm I'm kind of no, these there.
3: They, 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 they are these are team achievements. These are achievements within within the game.
0: They're just
2: they're just in the game. Okay. Yeah, not, yeah. Nobody gets to see them.
0: Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I've I've had a few pop. But so what's up.
2: the point? In some sense, right?
0: Well, I, <laughs> yeah. But I do I do kind of feel like it could you know maybe that could be expressed a little better uh, that maybe you like maybe you really want to think twice about starting a normal or or, or stuff like that. At, at the same time, though. You know, for a game so much about exploration, it seems entirely fitting, at least that uh, you know part of part of, like a core game mechanic would be you're sort of flailing blindly through space, and something good drops on you know drops out of drops out of the sky, or painful death, or painful death. Yeah, mostly that.
3: Yeah, and some of the some of the encounters are kind of nasty and mean. Like the guy, the guy yep. that the guy that
1: steals your stuff. There's a guy that steals your stuff.
3: There's an encounter. Is that oh, where yeah. you did
0: the shot with the dude?
3: And this is where the guy, he like some Rumpelstiltskin stiltskin of space or something. He asks <laughs> you some stupid <laughs> question about how many moons orbit this planet, and you don't know because you haven't been told, and it gives you a list of numbers. So you have a one in four chance of getting this right. You guess wrong, it's haha, while you're doing the riddle, I went back to your ship and stole all your crap. So you end up losing fuel, missiles, and scrap, because, you know, Sluggo, who's a evil slug person, uh, was asking you a riddle. Now I still don't know what the answer is. I know what the answer isn't. It isn't seven, and it isn't five. So I've got two more to go through.
1: That's so write that down, people. Hang on, I got
3: to write something down.
1: I can't wait to get there. I remember how mad I got <laughs> after one of the encounters where I think just out of sheer luck, the first couple of times they ask you, like, "Oh, do you want to go send your guys down to help out on this planet?" And I'm like, "Sure," because. I know my altruism won't be taken advantage of and then I think maybe on the fifth time they're like, "Well, you're, two of your guys died." I, I I I was I was crestfallen, but at the same time I was like that's a great game mechanic because now I have to seriously consider if I want to be a good guy or just kind of keep floating along.
0: Right, and there, and there's no real right answers because, you know, if you pro, if you face the same situation, uh the same choice might in one case yield you a nice bonus and in another case uh, you know, costs you two crew members or something. Uh, so I, I, I kind of like that. Uh, you know, again, every every stop you make on your journey across these sectors, um, you really got to think long and hard about whether or not you want to risk exploring that derelict space station, for instance. Yeah,
2: I have a hard time ever saying no. That's my problem. You haven't beaten the game, right?
1: No. Okay. There's a correlation there, I'm sure. Yeah, No. <laughs> but I'm the same way, like nine times out of 10 in these games. Like I'll, I'll just, I'll, i I kind of feel compelled to pick the good choice. And for some reason in this game, I, I was hardened into being like, well, I'm just going to leave you to your grisly death. And cause I'm going to keep going. Uh, I need more fuel. Yeah. I
0: definitely noticed that happening with me, sort of a, a hardening of the heart, uh, as I play through it, because I, I went about it the same way at the very, at the start, I tried to be very, uh, very Gene Roddenberry-esque vision of how the Federation <laughs> should be. You know, always, like, pretty much a Boy Scout. Just, oh, what's what's wrong? Somebody attacking your ship? Let me help out. Uh, and, you know, by this point, you know, it can be like a civilian transport being hounded by pirates. And if I'm at, like, three-quarters uh, health, I'm still thinking, like, boy, I can't really afford to repair my hull if anything goes wrong. So, sorry, guys. And just move on. Well, there you go. It's a perspective piece on adulthood. <laughs> God. <Gosh. laughs>
2: oh, wait. So we're like we're going after the hidden, deep meaning of FTL. Now it's actually a, a, a metaphor for life. Lost a Start. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe we're onto something. The, the doom of growing, impending responsibility. The more people you have responsible, you're responsible for, the more likely it is that you're going to die a horrible, flaming death in the vacuum of space. I'm not sure. That... that. <laughs>
1: That sounds about right, for what I've seen so far. <laughs> That's pretty much been my week, so that works. <laughs> I was reflecting on the pain of permadeath and thinking that it kind of goes along with my my lifelong status as a Cubs fan, where it's just one crushing defeat. <laughs> it's, it's just one crushing defeat That's after beautiful. another, and I always say to myself, this time, this, this is the time it's going to happen. This it's going to be different. I got different. a good feeling about yeah. this one, and then I die a flaming...
0: Yeah. Oh, kind of like Jake Cutler. Yeah. Yeah, boy, that's so right. Actually, is because every <laughs> FTL, like at the end of it, every one, is, you're I'm like, I got it now. Game. Well, yeah, at the end of it, that's the that's the crazy part is I'm actually I'm never more optimistic than right after I've died, because <laughs> right after I die, <laughs> he's like, like, I know exactly I, what I did wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I, I figured the, I figured this out. Like, well, that's not gonna happen again. I'm, of course, I want to restart. I'm gonna try this again. with, with which maybe is one thing I love about permadeath and why I, you know, I'm I'm starting to really kind of get why people dig roguelikes is there's, like, no other way to reproduce that sense of, like, the sense of, like, high-stakes play, high-stakes gaming. You know, there's there's no other way to do it except basically not allowing players to save and forcing them to, you know, live and die with their, with you know, die, with their own fortunes. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, you know, the payoff for that is, you know, this game, and I guess this is one reason why so many of my friends, uh, you know, are playing, uh, you know, Demon Souls and Dark Souls all the time talking about it, is because, yeah, you die a lot, but at the same time, like, it definitely feels like you are making progress in your understanding of the game and how it really works. And that's a really powerful motivator for me, I find. And I think...
1: That speaks to other games kind of like this like like pick a Dwarf Fortress or some of the other roguelikes like uh, Dungeon crawl where it almost seems like you're developing a skill and you can quantify that with how far you've gotten or how many runes you've gotten or how whether you've beaten the game or not and you know if you're playing like Arkham Asylum or something you just reload or you die or you come back and you're you're basically just walking through the game even if there's some boss that that is difficult you can still just kind of waltz through it. But with permadeath, it just kind of makes you uh, appreciate it and think to yourself, like, "Man, I, 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 have this system. Like, I've got this down." And there's this uh, this pride that comes along with it, and you can see it in the communities of people who kind of issue uh, taking the easy way and uh, and or save scumming or what have you. But the 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 roguelike genre and permadeath just makes for a very uh, Satisfying game experience that you don't get a lot in in most modern games.
3: I think what roguelikes is compared to other games we talk about, strategy games, for example. The strategy games, you know, once you've mastered the system, you know, you get better and you get better and you eventually fine tune it. And you know, a good strategy game will still keep challenging you, but you've figured out the system, so you can keep pushing back. In a roguelike, an FTL is like this, and your know, dungeon crawl is like this. Even once you've figured things out, the game will still make you its bitch, because it's so much <laughs> of it. Because it, sure. so, it's so much of it is about the luck and the role and the encounters. And are you ready for this? You may know the system, but the system is cheating because the system is so random. Um, you know the difference between easy. Well, that's and that and and that, that gets
2: back to this issue that in any rogue, yeah. like you can't do everything. Right. You can't have depending on the system. Right. You can't have the highest power, most powerful piercing weapon and the most highest powerful crushing weapon, which means maybe the undead are your nemesis. Right. And this game has all that same stuff going on. You can have, you know, the most beefed up ship and awesome crew ever. And if you don't upgrade any of your doors then you're completely vulnerable to an invasion or vice versa, right? You could you know, upgrade all your doors but not upgrade your shield enough and you're totally vulnerable to a guy who's tossing laser beams your way.
3: And in so many games, a mechanic like that would... You know, oh well, the AI is going to do something else completely different now. Well, it would be seen as you know AI cheating, as you know unfair game design. But it but it doesn't punishing. feel but, like it. In but this it doesn't game. in in this game, and it doesn't in a really well designed roguelike. And uh, allegedly, it doesn't in you know Dark Souls. I don't know that game scares me to death. Um, but I look at something like like Grimrock. I mean, Grimrock is a dungeon crawl game. It's not a roguelike, but it's a dungeon crawling game. That game is old school, hard, and stupid. I, get to, I just hate it because it, it's not unfair, but I don't really feel like I'm ever making much progress in it because every time I die I've got to go back and go to that stupid dungeon again. Um, it's all, you've got to keep saving it and it's all mapped and it's all regular. Roguelikes and games like FTL, especially, and FTL's great at this, it's because the thing changes enough from session to session, it can stay fresh without getting repetitive. Um, even if you're getting the same stupid rote. Stories, decision trees, pick-your-own way to die, adventure things. You have enough randomness in the, you know, the amount of scrap you uncover. And you might get a really kick-ass weapon off a, a wreck really early, or you might be stuck with your Artemis missiles and your puny laser well into Sector Four. And right. that, what is this game going to look like? That's what. That's why these mechanics can work because you, you understand that. Yes, the game is. Against you, and the game hates you. But every now and then, it's going to give you a really nice piece of piece of good loot, some really good luck. You know, in, in dungeon crawl, it's finding you know dragon plate armor on level dungeon level two. When that happens, it's awesome because now you know you'll at least survive to dungeon level six unless you get poisoned. And, FT, and FTL did, did, does that really well.
0: That, that's that's a good point, too, Troy. Is, is that you know, while, while there's a ton of ways to die in, in FTL, there's always again this like th- this hope that like luck does work both ways. Like there are times like things can turn around for you. You could get you you know your next encounter could produce like yield up a really good weapon and maybe a ton of salvage and you repair your ship or something.
2: Which is why I can never say no. And that's the genius of this game is that. It, you know sometimes you have a really long fought battle and you get crap for it and then sometimes you walk into a sector and they're like here's 150 scrap and we gave you a weapon for free thank you for showing up and so i never say no to anything which is probably why i die so much or, or, or,
3: you're, or you're getting your ass kicked and then the guy surrenders anyway it's like oh awesome oh, yeah I i'm i i'm stronger than you sitting at hole two whole points left five fires breaking out and you running around screaming with her hands in the air you know I'll take your I'll take your surrender fee great
0: man you know what is embarrassing though and I'm, I'm talking like uh, you know the, the dream where you're delivering a speech in public and not wearing pants embarrassing is right after like <laughs> right after someone surrenders you know they, they should not have surrendered like you're getting your ass kicked and everything but they surrender and they give you shit and then, like two minutes later, your ship explodes because you still couldn't fix it in time. That is humiliating. Is like you yes. won the battle, and then your yes. ship burns down because you're such crap at being a captain, right? Or you got to you
2: know you're trying to last minute get all the oxygen back into your oh, ship while that's your the guys worst. are dying slowly, oh and then all of a sudden, like poof, you know, just as your ship comes back
0: online, all three of your crewmen die from asphyxiation. That one happened to me last week. Oh, it, man. The, the oxygen... I never upgrade the oxygen system, and I always know I should. Yeah, I mean, neither do I. I. I know. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: I, I want to teleported guys onto a drone to tear it apart from the inside. Drones don't have oxygen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: but I didn't... You see, now that's freaking genius. I didn't, didn't want to waste right missiles there. on it. Ah, it's a drone, you know. I'll just pop some guys over, and they'll take down the weapon system and take it apart, and then we can scrap it from the inside, no problem. And plus, I got, hey, teleporter, i got to try this new toy. And while my teleporter is recharging, recharging, my two bastards are over there beating on the engine, suffocating.
0: The fact that that can happen is amazing.
3: That's a, that was a bad way to die.
0: Oh, man, I, I really wish that it had. Like, I would, man, I, would, I just want an episode of Star Trek to end that way. Like an like an away team full of red shirts, like go storm that ship, and then they just like get teleported into vacuum. God, that'd be great, and horrible. But anyway, horribly <laughs> great. Uh, I've heard some people. I'm curious if you guys have tried this. Some people have vented their entire ship to space, except for the uh, you know critical locations where the crew was, where the crew was stationed, so that boarders, odds are, are teleporting into vacuum. You guys tried that? I haven't, but it I'm sounds scared. like a sound
1: strategy, actually.
0: Yeah, but they can still yeah. teleport into a, a crewman occupied sector, and I'm worried that I won't be able to get my guys across there to save that crewman. Well,
1: well, they'll make it briefly. I mean, if they're just kind of dipping in and out of the oxygen free zones, they they won't die right away.
3: They, they hold their breath and run. Yeah, I mean, I, I've vented you know some parts of a the ship, then know that, but I haven't thought about. Opening up the entire thing because that really does worry me. Those are the slow-moving rock guys. The last thing I need is him, you know, his face turning blue as I try to get him to try to put run across the ship to put it on fire someplace. Um, So yeah, I don't. that's, That's I've I've read that strategy and it sounds like it makes sense, but I'm not sure I have the guts to do it.
0: Maybe you put him in a chamber at the center of your ship that you keep filled with oxygen. He's your minotaur. (laughs)
1: <laughs> if they could make it that far there we go
0: get what they deserve no but that i don't know that, that it's it's something i've been toying around with but it's it seems kind of drastic and it just i don't know it i i resist it because one it, it worries me and i'm kind of a nervous nervous but but two uh picard wouldn't vent the entire enterprise to space except for the bridge well he the would
1: paperwork would go everywhere that would just be a mess pretty much the other one I read about is just never having your, your medical bay powered up at all unless somebody boards your ship because that's power you could be putting elsewhere. And I guess that makes sense. You don't turn it on until you absolutely need it, but most people... Or, I always do that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a
0: standard. Yeah, but th- I, I did that and then I forgot to turn it back on and my crewman died, so <laughs> I kind of regret that. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that... The, the One of the other things I really love about this game is how it... You know, again, because there's, there's so much luck and because there's a lot of incentive to play on even when everything kind of looks lost. Um, I also find this is a game that pushes me to the extremes a lot in ways that more conventional strategy games really don't. Because I kind of feel like, you know, th- there's sort of a bell curve of experience with a strategy game. And once you're good at it, you kind of have a comfort level that you that you operate within. And occasionally you might be you might be really pushed hard one way or the other, but uh, you know. So an example would be, you know, in, in Civilization, for example, Troy. I tend to have really risky early game strategies uh, because hey, the early game is where I'm getting set up, and if it all goes wrong, uh, you know, I haven't really lost much of an investment. Uh, and the rewards for, you know, having a good opening are are really great. And so I I tend to, what what it tends to produce is very similar beginnings of the game, and I end up running very similar sorts of, uh, you know, civilizations in a lot of ways. Uh, There's sort of a a narrow band of Civ experience that, that, you know, I I end up playing in most of the time. With a game like FTL, because, you know, things can turn on a dime, uh, because, like, you know, there's re- like because there's really not that much momentum in how, you know how things are going for you and your crew. Um, it's totally worth it. You know, the example I'm thinking of just happened to me today. Is I had a really bad encounter that left me with like just a sliver of of hull uh, left, and so I mean, my ship was basically doomed. But the one thing I had was a ton of scrap, and so I'm sitting there, you know, with my my ship, you know, shot to hell. And what I end up doing is I just, you know, I'm just hoping we can make it to the next port. And so I just, you know, in the meantime now, I pretty much blow all my, um, you know, all my scrap on um, upgrading the power and shields to my ship. And because uh, I've got a pretty good ship, except for the fact that the hull is, uh, you know, basically, you know like tinfoil at this point. Uh, so, you know, with the exception of that one little problem, uh, you know, it's a real ass kicker. So if they never being down my shields, I'll be fine. A- and so I-, I actually survived a few more jumps uh, with the ship that literally could not take one more hit. And playing from that perspective, uh, where it's like, where the entire game is like, boy, I hope I disable their weapons before my shields go down or I'm screwed. Uh, just created this, like... You know, really intense, thrilling experience that I just don't usually get in most of my gaming because usually when you're in that sort of you're totally hosed situation, there really isn't reason to continue, and it's basically impossible to continue anyway.
1: Well, and the games are just long enough, but also just short enough that you're willing to do those kind of crazy things. You're like, wow, we'll just try this and see what happens. And a
2: whole game is generally one sitting. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing that's genius about this is that, uh, you know, I mean, I imagine you could play a three-hour game of this. I can't really quite imagine how I'd play a three-hour game of it, but maybe if that's what it takes to get to the end. Um, but but the game is surprisingly narrative, and it's one of these cases where I think you tell your own story in it because you have those. Those crazy moments, kind of like a great war game, Um, you know, like a chip based war game where, you know, the reason those games can be so satisfying is because you end up with these great stories to tell about, like you just told Rob of that time that I had one tick of health left and managed to get through a whole nother sector or, you know, that time that I had no shields left and one crew member and he was down to five health and they surrendered. I mean, those are great stories. They're fun stories.
0: I guess that, that, you know, reminds me of something that we've talked about with regard to Unity of Command and other games, though. Is, again, this, you know, there, there are real possi- like, there, there are a lot of interesting possibilities and uh, a lot of cool changes in the way, at least I approach games, when I'm not sitting there staring a, you know, 12, you know, 20 hour investment in the face. You know, it, 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 I kind of like this sort of uninhibited, uh, you know, gaming that I get from, uh, you know, sort of these these, these shorter, smaller games that uh, because they're so you know short and small, can also you know, you know, force me to work without a net in a lot of ways. You know, both Unity Command and this. You know, oh, you wanna you wanna save your progress and see how this next encounter goes. Too bad. Uh, you know, it's either gonna work or it's not, and that and that's the ball game for you, and. I'll tell you, you know, like taking like, you know, getting like taking little detours into games like this uh, from, you know, kind of the majority of the types of games that uh, I play. And that I think we discuss on this show uh, is, is really refreshing. It's it's, you know, kind of intoxicating. And I'm always sort of left thinking like, boy, I hope I hope I see these, you know, this, this and this element brought over into these other games. I enjoy. I want to see more of this.
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on my evangelist hat and ask if you play a lot of roguelikes in general because there's a long list of really great games out there, mostly uh, available for free, that have all this, this, this great stuff that kind of inspired FTL and, and what they do I, in there. I, I'm, I'm actually not a
2: huge roguelike fan. I mean, it's generally something I find frustrating more often than not. When they do something interesting or different... Uh, I get interested in them. Like, I mean, I don't, do you consider Spelunky a roguelike? I kind of do, right? So I, I've enjoyed the heck out of Spelunky. Um, but the straight-up roguelikes, I played a lot of the original, like, rogue and, you know, hack back on, you know, mainframes in the day. And I kind of got burned out on the whole system.
3: I mean, I'm a, I've, I'm, a, I'm a huge roguelike guy. I'm mostly dungeon crawl now. But, I mean, I've played... Woo so many of them through the years. I mean, I've played, you know, ADOM and Angband and Zangband and NetHack and God, so, so many, some of them are just way too complicated. Um, I could, there, there was a time when roguelikes really pushed, uh, into the obscure, difficult ways, but a good old fashioned dungeon crawl. Cause it is what it, cause it, it is what the name says. That's a dungeon crawl. None of this, you know, uh, Big plot stuff you find in ADOM, it's, you know, you go down and you find really great random loot. And that's one thing that FDL doesn't get from Rogueless. It doesn't have a whole lot of, I mean, every, every laser cannon you get, there's a whole, there's a list of limited number of laser cannons, and they're all going to do the same thing. Unlike a good roguelike where, you know, every really special sword, a special artifact sword, is going to have a bunch of, a whole bunch of unique characteristics. I played Dungeon Crawl today and I found a saber that gave me better dexterity, resistance to poison, and speed. Of course, it was also cursed, minus one to hit and minus five damage, <laughs> but it had all those other good things going for it.
2: You know, I mean, I played, uh, you know, I sort of prior to like the mid-90s, I played all of these. I mean, I played, I don't know, Ragnarok and Angband and... Uh, oh, did God, play Ragnarok. I played Castle of the Winds. You remember, you ever play Castle of the Winds? I played the crap out of that, um, you know, and, and all those kinds of games were very appealing to me. But when they started getting so much more complex, and you start getting into the stuff that's come out in the 2000s, um, and 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 even some of the ones that you're talking about, uh, you know, that that are more pure dungeon crawl type style. I actually find I, I'm not that interested in them because permadeath in those situations I find frustrating, right? If you're going to give me plot and you're going to give me all this other stuff going on and big complex systems to learn, I get frustrated when it means that I'm just going to die.
0: <laughs> and uh... Yeah, I, I never got into roguelikes at all. Uh, you know, I, I think in part because, uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm probably just a shade too young to have really been around for when they were, you know, kind of when they were basically the jam. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, like my first roguelike, I think, was that. Um, what's the game? You know, that, that, that little that little game device you get in System Shock 2. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? System Jack yeah, like, 2, you pick yeah. up the handheld gaming device, and there's this there's this, there's this roguelike in it. Uh, I think it might be called, like, swine-like or something like that, because uh, it's the game swine. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so that was my only roguelike experience, and from what uh, you, from what else I saw of the genre, it was a pretty accurate representation of what you get up to in those games. And I was just like, no, that, that is not for me. Uh, and, and so I guess the closest I would have come, you know, prior to this is probably, you know... Um, Nightmare mode in Diablo. Or hardcore, whatever the hell it's called. You know, permadeath.
2: Well, I mean and and yeah, I mean if you look back, I mean Diablo really is a direct offshoot of Moria, which became ang angband, right? Um, yep. I mean, there's you can trace the lineage to Diablo pretty straightforward, and you know, and now I spent half my day to day playing Torchlight 2. right? So I mean, it, for, but the difference there is that there's not this sense of imminent doom, which is the thing that I've kind of gotten over, and for whatever reason, FTL makes
1: that imminent doom less uh, feel less annoying. I I tried the hardcore mode in the first Torchlight. Uh, and I, I don't think it works so well in a long form game like that. And it actually just made me depressed because if, if I have a male character, I just name it after myself. And if there's a female character, I just name it after my wife for lack of better options. No. But, but in Torchlight, when you have a perma-death character and they die, their ghost is still on the screen. So every time I fired <gasps> it up, my dead wife was like... Just listed with the other characters, and I was like, This is terrible. why would they do this to me? So I didn't do it in that game anymore
0: <laughs> against against my better judgment, I added uh, my girlfriend to my squad in Xcom never again. oh man, I'll tell you like she she's still she's still alive, but. Boy, it's been it's been close at times, and uh, you know, it's weird actually. Like naming a game character after someone like actually in your life, I don't know. I find it I like always do that. It's bullshit, but I find it bizarrely powerful too. Like just like changing the name, I start getting really concerned about the well-being of you know my video game not girlfriend, but shares the name.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I always do that, and always have. You know, named characters after people I know. Um, it's, it's easier to re, it's easier to remember them generally. What the what what this character's role, what the character has, or what their role is. So you know. So you you have all died quite bravely.
0: Fantastic. Well, Troy, I will create. I will create an XCOM character in your honor, and uh, he'll walk point.
3: Oh great! I'm glad. Y-
0: your sacrifice. Your sacrifice will will show us the path.
2: <laughs> awesome. You can do that. I'll go compile a version of Moria and like fire it up on my Atari ST
0: <laughs> Well, I'll t- I'll tell you though, you know, between this and FTL, uh I, I definitely am more interested in like uh ro- roguelike mechanics. Maybe this is a genre that secretly I've always liked and just didn't know it. Um what's that uh what's the Gaslamp game? Was that Dreadmore? Dungeons of Dreadmore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dungeons Dungeon of Dreadmore. Dreadmore, which is that's great. a
1: real
2: that's a really good roguelike. It's a fantastic yeah. roguelike. It's got a it's got a real it's got a real sort of you know tongue in cheek quality to it too. Yeah. Which, which for me makes this
1: kind of genre so much
2: better. Like that sense of humor makes all the difference.
1: And it has graphics which for a roguelike is sometimes listed as a positive or a Yeah, negative, I don't but, uh,
0: me, me and ASCII do not get along. I'm so oh, it's the only way to uh, go. Is, yeah, no, it's it's really not. That's one of that's. The... Hey, when do we do our Dwarf Fortress show? Let's roll. I have pitched
1: a Dwarf Fortress <laughs> well, show in the past, and uh, it just well, kind the, of there, fell uh, well, by the, the, the d- wayside.
3: Dwarf Tal- well, I've not had time to play it well for one thing. My Dwarf Fortress isn't really a roguelike. I mean, it looks like it's an ASCII no, know, game, but, it, but I it's I a city a Well, What's a city? builder a roguelike though. It's a city builder roguelike. It's, Your city's no, it, gonna it, die. It looks like a roguelike. It's what? a strategy game. It's a it's a good old fashioned strategy. It's a strategy game. game. It's, it's, a, it's, a city, it's a game it's, we should be Troy talking about right. in this show.
2: I agree. Trey is right. It is a it is a city builder. It, I would actually argue it is the best city builder ever made.
3: And it's a game that I cannot figure out for the life of me. But there we have it.
1: There's a book now. There's a yeah. book. I'm sure there is. Like um, like a real book, like Halo like novels buy. type. No, like it's uh, the how people, to play. Yeah, how to yeah, play the, Dwarf Fortress. Uh, O'Reilly books—they do a lot of books on programming languages. They actually came yeah. out with a book that gets updated. Well, the digital copy gets updated, but yeah, there's a whole freaking book. And there is an adventurer mode uh, to its credit that it's that is quasi roguelike. Yeah. You have a single character, but but nobody cares about that mode. That Everyone is a roguelike, yeah.
0: Oh well, some someday we'll all get the time to get really good at Dwarf Fortress and do it justice. I had a peak. I had a peak until they added sea levels
2: where you could go up and down, and then I just disaster happened. Then it became impossible. Now I had to start worrying about gravity, and all bets were off.
0: Yeah, like, I found it, I like, it was not a good sign when Quentin Smith over at Rock, Paper, Shotgun abandoned his uh, blog of his experiences in Dwarf Fortress. Like, if Quinn's, like, kind of bounced off that game, I... I kind of start to suspect that like the complexity just has ratcheted to the point where it's, it's
2: the entry point now is just ridiculous. There was a sweet spot that I think they've gone beyond. And actually, I mean this to bring it back to FTL for God's sakes, I think that's part of the genius of this game is that they keep, they cap that complexity level at a point where it's still very approachable. I mean, my son can play a half hour long game of FTL. It's not impenetrable. It's hard to play well, but it's not hard to figure out what's going on.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that we kind of do this game kind of a disservice by, I mean, Rob is right. we I go about one of his earlier points, that, you know, this is the the game that reminds us why we like science fiction and why people like Star Trek, you know, why people like Star Wars, you know? We want to pilot the Millennium Falcon. They don't want to be Mon Mothma back at the uh, base, you know, mourning all the Boffin spies have <laughs> lost. You want to be, you want to be out wow. there, you know, flying the ship. But, you know, this isn't... Um, but I think we did this kind of a disservice by saying you know if you're into sci-fi you'll like this yeah you will but even if you're not into sci-fi even if science fiction isn't something you don't care about um, you don't really have a big think for spaceships but you just like a really neat game with some really neat stuff going on um, you like uh, stories that are that are, are generated you like the, the the trade-offs I mean there are very few games that I mean, I like to try to keep all my systems going at max capacity. I like maxing out as much energy as I can, but you can never do that in a firefight. And you can never do that in an ion an ion storm. We have systems being knocked out. I end up juggling this, doing all this math in my head. It, it's If you like math, you'll love this game. Because there's, there's so much. I would take two from here and put three there, but then I'll lose this thing. It is a brilliant little balancing act. So even if you don't love spaceships, if you are, you know, just a young kid, if you're a young kid, you can the magic's going to be obvious because you're blowing stuff up, but you're also, you know, jumping from place to place and seeing new things. It is it is really a little tiny piece of magic uh, that it works as well as it does considering how simple it is. Um, and I wrote in my blog that I kind of there's so many this these types of mechanics could fit in a bunch of different settings. There's no reason it had to be a spaceship game. But it is, and it's a good thing, because that does guarantee, you know, that nerds are going to pay attention to it, at least. They get to be, they get to be Kirk, which is great. Um, but the mechanics are kind of universal, um, and I really hope that, you know, they, have other, they do other games. They, they pursue some of these same types of mechanics in other settings, and try to pick up some of this other audience. Cause this is a winning formula, and it's an easy formula to copy. Um, and somebody's going to come along and copy it and probably do a really poor job of it. Uh, because they're going to just... <laughs> but I think these guys, if they to have a setting like you're a seven cities of gold type thing, you're a conquistador, you're moving further in. And the Spanish king's trying to arrest you. You're, you're, you're Pizarro. You've, you've, you've completely gone rogue. And, you know, the Spanish king's coming after you. But you have to get to the end and find the city of gold or whatever, this type of thing. I think if somebody was faith in the setting and faith in the mechanics, I think these guys might be able to do that. Um, could actually make this thing work. I mean, there's an an entire wealth of settings that this brilliantly simple little system I think would work with.
0: All right. And we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, because I believe Julian is being called by the, uh, duties and responsibilities of fatherhood. Uh, so that does it for this week's show. Uh, I should also mention that if all goes according to plan, this week or next, we will be transferring the show to its new home on Idle Thumbs. Uh, so if you don't have an account there, make one and join us uh, for discussion next week when we talk to the designer and producer of the new XCOM. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for uh, you know making it to the show tonight, Michael. It's been great having you on. Finally, oh, thanks for having me. And hey, thank you for uh, you know editing and and uh, you know turning your own uh, you know pointless ramblings on this episode into something resembling a coherent point.
1: Yeah, I was actually kind of worried, but then I realized I was the one editing it, so I'll just you know take out all the silly parts. <laughs> you can make
2: yourself sound as good as you want. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's gonna cut it together actually, so we all sound like complete dumbasses, and like we're gonna like we're gonna listen to the episode, and entirely new things are gonna come out of Michael's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Well, actually, we call that fixing it in post. We'll take care yeah. of it all. Michael Hermes is great. All right. So uh, until next week and until XCOM, uh, say good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night.
3: Hi, all.